Hi, this is Pastor Mike Gordon, and welcome to Bethel Brandon's Sunday Message. For more information about this podcast and more resources, visit us at BethelBrandon.ca. Hey, welcome everyone. Life is a journey, isn't it? Uh, it is interesting on the journey that we are going on, and I want to talk about that over the next uh, few weeks. But first, before we get into that, um, for those who uh, regularly uh, are part of Bethel Life, uh, last year we did for the first time a thing called the Real to Real Film Festival, and we kind of changed the uh, the chapel into like a, a cinema theater, and we kind of had children's movies upstairs and documentaries and in the dining area, and we had our main features here, and, and because of COVID, we aren't able to do that. Um, but as we are working in partnership uh, with uh, North Caldona Mennonite Brethren Church in Winnipeg, who has run the, uh, the film festival for, for, I think, about 10 years now. Um, we uh, are going to be able to run it somewhat uh, online. We are going to be able to stream a certain amount of films. And so the film festival is on, although it is just online, but it is cheap. And, uh, and it's going to be $10 if you want to kind of uh, watch the festival uh, online at your leisure. And I'm kind of hoping that you're doing that. Now, the reason I'm saying it so quickly is because the film festival is beginning on the 14th. A week from today, that film festival is happening. So we're probably uh, going to be bombarding you with advertising uh, having to do with the Real to Real Film Festival. Uh, but... Uh, just for, for now, as we are getting things ready, it's going to be on the website, and you're going to be able to register on the website and have access to a number of great Christian uh, films, Christian documentaries, and uh, just a great opportunity to be able to, uh, to continue to do this ministry as we're seeking to, to minister, to be loved, to be a link, and, and to help equip you in your, your Christian walk, especially during this time. Uh, the other thing is, is that Fusion is on tonight. And I'm hoping that you'll be able to join us. And you're thinking, well, isn't there like a big football game on tonight or something like that? Well, let me just say this. By the time Fusion starts, Kansas City will be so far ahead that it'll become a boring game. And, you know, the Bible says, you know, put on the spirit of garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. And so those people who are Tampa Bay Bucks fans, they'll be so despondent that they'll say, you know, I'm going to have to lift myself up with some worship. And so, hey, that's happening. It's taking place. I'm hoping that you can join us tonight as far as um, that is concerned. So let's get on with, with what I wanted to talk about this morning and what God has kind of been putting on my heart. And this is something that has kind of been in, uh, I have kind of had uh, something in me to speak on for, for quite some time. Um, have you ever been lost? Um, Maybe you remember a time when you were a kid. I remember a time when I was a kid and I was uh, in some type of a department store. I can't remember if it was Sears or Eaton's. <laughs> remember those names? Sears, Eaton's? And, um, and I got lost and I couldn't find my mom. And, and, uh, and all of a sudden what happens as a kid is you, you all of a sudden run to the conclusion that now this is my home. Sears is now my home. I'm going to spend the rest of my days walking endlessly through this department store. And, and eventually, you know, my mother found me, and it was a great time of joy and relief. But something happens when we are lost. We are, we are fearful 
Um, there have been uh, stories of people who have been lost in the woods, and, and as a result, and I'm not too sure exactly what the, all the dynamics are about being lost in the woods, but they say sometimes you don't go too far from where you start if you're lost. You kind of keep on walking in circles, and you get so despondent that many people have just decided to end it all because they had no hope at all. It just gets that hopeless that quickly. It gets that fearful that quickly. And, and all of a sudden at night, you know, there's, there's no lights on. It. it gets really dark, things like that. I would imagine that the worst, though, would be to be stranded at sea because all you have is a whole bunch of water all the way around you, and you can't even drink that water. It's like a, a desert full of water. And um, there is a story of an individual. Now, there have been people who have, have been stranded for a number of days at sea before they have been found. The record, for those of you who are interested in figuring it out, 14 months there was a fellow who was from Mexico. His name was Jose Salvador Alvarenga, and, uh, and he was stranded for 14 months. And you say, well, when was that? Was that probably 100 years ago, 200 years ago? No, 2012. November 2012 to January 2014. This guy was stranded at sea. He was going out. He was kind of estranged from his family. He went fishing with a person who was his assistant and hit a storm and, and, and was able somehow to survive. Ended up somewhere near the Philippines 14 months later. And, and I'm thinking to myself, how does a person do that? How can a, I, if I'm stranded at sea for like four or five days, I'm waiting for the sharks to come and I'm diving in. I don't know. That kind of seems kind of scary. Like when you are marooned and, and when you are um, stranded or, or lost in a distant land, in a place that you're not used to, it's fearful. And many times it's hopeless. And uh, my contention, what I'd like to get uh, across over the next few weeks, uh, as the Holy Spirit uh, speaks in, in this series, is the fact that Sometimes you don't even have to leave home or your neighborhood to be lost. There's some of us, many who might be here listening today, that in some area of your life, you might be stranded and you may have friends and people all around. And, and so there needs to be what I will call the journey back. We all need uh, what is called the journey back. You listen to one of the most popular um, passages of scripture that Jesus, one of the most popular stories that Jesus talks about is a prodigal son. And for those of us who know, it's a, a, a son who says to his dad, listen, man, I don't want to be around here anymore. And it says that he goes off into a far and distant land. And in that time, situation he thought was going to be good ends up going worse. He finds himself, you know, craving to have the pig food that he's shoveling out. To, and it says somewhere in scripture that he says he came to himself he ends up going back home, and the, the story goes as to how the, the father receives him back. But, but what I want to focus on is that point where we come to ourselves, that point where there is a journey back home. And this is exhibited in a number of different ways. Like, for example, you may not believe this, but at one point I was a physical specimen. See that? That's like online streaming effectiveness. It's kind of like, whoo, look at that. Now I had, I, at one time, you may not, you not believe this was true, but I was athlete of the year in my high school. No way. Yes way. Absolutely. And I had long flowing hair. 
It was long and flowing, and if a fan was blowing, I kind of looked like Fabio, and that was like the Fabio before he got hit in the face with a goose type of thing, and, 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 and you know, it was, just, it was just, I could get up, and I could play hockey in the morning, and at lunch, I'd play volleyball, and then after school, I'd play basketball, and I wouldn't even think twice about it. It was just like nothing, and a lot of us are probably in the same, in the same category, Remember a time when, when, when I was in better shape in my life, and, and so, you know, and for some of us, it was like, I never, ever ate snack food. I never, ever ate food that was bad for me, but something happened. Here's that point. Something happened along the way. Got in that accident, and I hurt my leg, and I could no longer exercise and, and do the things that I want. I got discouraged. I got de- depressed. I, um, I ended up getting girlfriend or a boyfriend, and I just wanted to spend all the time with them, and I spent less time uh, exercising, and all of a sudden I got a job, and, and the job was so far away that I no longer had time to stop and work out like I, I used to be able to do, and I wasn't able to go to the gym, and, and, um, or perhaps I had children. And so the times that I spent in the morning exercising or jogging, I now spend in an arena with a Tim Hortons cup in my hand watching my kids play hockey. And so no longer do I have the time to be able to do that. Or I chose habits or stresses all of a sudden allowed me to eat more at night. Or maybe it's that addiction to painkillers. You can go on and on and on and on. And finally what happens is you go to the doctor and the doctor says this to you. You are going to have to change. Because if you don't change, you are going to die within the next six months or so. And so all of a sudden what happens is this little light in our head says, oh, well, maybe I should make some changes. And so what happens is what we will call or what I would like to refer to as the journey back. All of a sudden I think I need to, I need to, to see things. And this, this is seen in so many different ways. It's, there's the journey back to health. There's the, the journey back to sobriety. There's the journey back from freedom from anger. There's the freedom back to going from serving Jesus to actually passionately serving Jesus. There's, there's the, the, the journey back from, from attitudes and lifestyles that, that have destroyed us. And we're just trying to find a way back from the distant country. You ever find that? Does that, does that resonate with you? Because before God can revive us, first have to find that place where we return for the place that God can move. And so there's a journey back. There's a, a spiritual journey back that we can talk about. There's the emotional journey back from the three A's, apprehension, anxiety, anger. There's the, there's the journey back from hurt, heartache, and habits. There's, there's the relational journey back. Something has happened in some of the key relationships in your life, and, and you find yourself despondent. You're not too sure what to do. And what is this? Is this this uh, reconciliation journey that you're, you're on or the return to just being simple. Life is so complicated and need to return to the simple things of God. But here it is. In the process of being lost, God has given us a GPS. Isn't GPS great? It says this is exactly where you are. This is exactly where you, you need to be. And so it, 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 gives, us, it gives us a bearing and there's going to be a lot of words that perhaps you'll hear over the next week and in the next few weeks as, as we get into this series. And, and one of them is this, honesty. Starts by being honest. 
goes on to being humble, to repent of, of certain things. It is hard work. It is, it is the Holy Spirit speaking to our hearts and causing us to be healed. And if I could have healed myself, I would have done it a long time ago. If I could have gone to this person, that would have been done. Sometimes there are certain healing that takes place that can only be happening by God, the journey back. So, but to start off with, I think it's important to talk about the journey back from the present crisis that we are in. If I was going to title this, this part one, it would be uh, the pandemic possibility. Because we ask ourselves, now that we are kind of deep into this thing, and we're starting to see perhaps a light that is, is, that is saying is, so when it is time to be able to gather together, how is that going to look like? And, and how do I act as a pastor? How do I respond? How do I minister? And, and I'm not the only one saying that. Tons of leaders are saying the exact same thing. What will church look like? How will we respond? Can we incorporate what we have already learned? How quickly will we return? Do we really want to return to the way it was? What will it look like when we do? And so I don't know if I have all of the answers at this particular point. And the truth is that nobody really does. And, and I believe that there's a lot of people who are seeking wisdom. And I know that I've sat down with the elders and, and we talk about this all the time. What is the best way? And, and as we continue online, we've come to realize that it is some amongst the most effective means of evangelism is to be able to do it online. And, and so we're beginning to, to build those bridges to somehow be able to, to minister. And as we take a look at a church of, of how, how we're going to be growing in, and have so many different types of people and so many different cultures that are, that are in our world that we're, we're almost like as a church gravitating towards a mosaic of people. Uh, and so there's so many different ways and so many things that go on in our hearts. But I believe that the scriptures tell us a little bit. I think the Bible gives us some clues and they're found in the book of Acts. And so if you have your Bibles or if you have your Bible app, kind of get ready at Acts chapter, uh, um, Acts chapter 8. Um, um, the book of Acts is kind of the history of the infancy of the church. It's kind of like the first 28 to 30 years documented as to what had kind of taken place as the church was birthed and as it had, had uh, gone ahead. And I think that there's three key things that it will show us. It'll talk about the fact that we need to learn from the history of the early church, the harmony of the early church, uh, and the heeding or the hearing, the ability to hear God that the early church had. So uh, again, now let's look at Acts chapter 8, uh, starting at verse 1, and it says this. On that day, persecution broke out against the church in Jerusalem. See, Stephen had just been martyred. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. And so it goes on from there, and it says, Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. And from there, it goes on and it says, But Saul began to destroy the church, going from house to house. He dragged off uh, both men and women and put them into prison. And those who had been scattered preached the word of God wherever they went. Philip went down to a city in Samaria and proclaimed the Messiah there. When the crowds heard Philip and saw the signs he performed, they all paid close attention to what he said. 
For with shrieks and impure spirits came out many, and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. And it says in verse 8, so there was great joy in that city. So what do we learn from that? Well, first of all, what we learn is we learn something about um, the history of the early church. Now, think about it for a second. Um, This uh, was one time where the church had to change because of the circumstance. At that time, things were going really, really well. Pentecost had come. Uh, People had been added to the church by the thousands. They were meeting every single day. Everything was going their way. Um, Even even the Sanhedrin, the, the people who were the religious authorities at that day, really couldn't understand what to do. And they just had this groove in the church. God is great. Woo! Woo! God is great. Woo! Come on, join along. God is great. Woo! Woo! It's just a wonderful time. This is a party time. Look at all the things that are happening. Things are great. God is blessing me. It's so wonderful. Stephen, he's meeting up. They can't even do anything about Stephen. And then all of a sudden, Stephen dies. And all of a sudden, the dance and the clapping and everything changed. And they instantly went from a group that met every single day to a group that met no longer. Because if they were to gather together publicly, what would happen is that many of them would be thrown into prison and or killed. And this guy named Paul started this persecution that went on and on and on. But let's look a little bit further. What happened as a result? What happened as a result is those people who were in Jerusalem began to leave Jerusalem and go into Samaria and Judea, and all of a sudden the gospel was spread. Up until that time, why leave Jerusalem? Jerusalem was such a great place. It was the Mecca of what God was doing. This is a place to be. But all of a sudden, through this persecution and the martyrdom of Stephen, things changed. And they went outside of the city. And if you think of the the commission that Jesus had given them, hey, wait in Jerusalem, but you will be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. Those are the two places that Jesus had talked about. So in order for all of a sudden things to shift and to change, this is what took place. And as a result, they had to learn a different way and how to minister to people. And they had to go out and and God continued to move. But if that didn't happen, the church would have not catapulted ahead. Now, let me just kind of take you 10 years further into the scene. All of a sudden around um, Acts chapter chapter 12, and, and it was 10 years from, from, from the first persecution and what had happened in Peter's life or you know, what had t- taken place was things were starting to look great again. Oh man, there were some wonderful things taking place. Paul, this guy who was persecuting, he had been converted and, and, and all of a sudden things were looking bright again. And we're just saying, God is great. Okay. Well, let's not be so loud. God is great. God is great. Everything seems to be going well again. We seem to be in that place where, where we should be. What happens is um, Herod comes in. He kills James. What? Oh, you can't kill James. He's an apostle. They throw in Peter in prison. And oh, you can't do that. And all of a sudden what happened? 
was the church had to scramble and it had to change and it had to pray. and it, Not that they weren't praying before, but all of a sudden God was doing something so serious. Something had to happen again in Jerusalem and a miraculous event takes place and I'll let you read what had taken place in Acts chapter 12, but, but Peter is miraculously delivered. Well, so what? Well, at that time, that caused Peter to begin to go out and, and Peter had already been revealed to him that, that the gospel wasn't just for the Jewish people, it was the Gentile. So all of a sudden, the thrust of the church, because of some of these activities that had taken place, goes from being a Jewish people only to a Gentile people only. And Paul ends up going out with Barnabas, and he ends up speaking to people and going into the synagogues. But what ends up taking place as well is that the ministry goes from being synagogue-focused to being marketplace-focused. And because of the crisis, things have changed. And God reacts, and God does something creative, and, and, and the gospel is expanded more. Hey, another six years later, there's a council in Jerusalem about all this, these, these Jew, Gentile people getting saved, and they, they, they figure it out. And after they figure it all out, Paul and Barnabas say, hey, let's go out again. God is great. Things are going well. And then, and then all of a sudden, Barnabas says, yeah, we can bring Mark. And Paul says, whoa, 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 no, 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 I don't want to bring Mark. And so what happens is a big fight happens. And it was a public thing. And what takes place from there is, is, is that they split up. And not only is there one missionary team, there's two missionary teams. Because it says that they both went out. And from there, Paul and Silas end up directed by the Holy Spirit going into Europe for the first time. And God begins to move in a great way from there. And they go from sometimes being just like little patches here and there to all of a sudden church plants. And, and God creates a new way for, for, for ministry to happen. And so you had these paradigm shifts that happen throughout the book of Acts. And sometimes we read it so fast that we didn't realize that there was these huge crises which take place that had changed the face of the church to the point where all of a sudden they were able to minister in a new way. You just have to take a look. Shortly after the book of Acts is over, this guy came of Nero who comes onto the scene and he wants to change the city and they don't want to. And so what he does is he burns the city down. He blames Christians. What happens is there's these terrible things that take place, but all of a sudden God has a unique way of ministering to people. And it isn't until the, the fourth century AD that Christianity is legalized that it becomes what's called the Dark Ages. All of a sudden, that's when things shut down when things all of a sudden get too good. And this is kind of an interesting thing. And, and this is an important thing to realize because what happens many times is when this happens that all of a sudden we realize that perhaps the best times in the church are the times when, when things are not going so well. And and it's not the very first time that something like this has happened. What we're going through right now is not the first time. It's probably not going to be the last time. And, and in these times, what happens is God begins to strengthen the church. At the very least, he causes people to say, are you actually really serving me or not? Are you actually really going to serve me? Things are well. You know, I can come to service anytime I want. Well, things are wonderful. But what happens when all of a sudden something stressful happens? 
I think what happens is a group of people say, well, you know what? I'm actually going to serve him. I'm actually going to, to, to make the step to follow him. And, and the Holy Spirit, as a result, births new ways to minister. And that's kind of what we are going, because history has shown us that God is not limited to the box that we put him in. He's not limited to the box that we put him in. And sometimes we tend to do so. We want to predict things and so say we try and control God. History's also shown that uncomfortable faith has ultimately proven to be the best place to be. As much as we don't want to hear that today as we are going through some of the challenges that we are, but it is true. The other thing that history has shown us is that we are not as in control as we think we are. And so what we have to do is we have to lean on Jesus. We can learn something from the history of the, the baby church. The other thing that we learn is this. We learn harmony from the early church. We, if you read through the book of Acts, it was authentic harmony that ruled the day and kept the church focused. And there's a number of times where it's alluded to but there are other times where it is blatantly talked about. One being Acts chapter 4, the other being Acts chapter 2. And let me just kind of quickly read to you Acts chapter 2. It says, in Acts chapter 2 verse 43, it said, Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. And all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold, every, they sold property and possessions to give to everyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with gladness and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The one thing that, that was a strength of the church in times of darkness, in times of change, in times of transition, in times of paradigm shift, was that there was a harmony there. Now, there's something about true harmony which takes place. I believe that harmony, the harmony that is talked about here, is something which is grassroots. It wasn't something that the leadership said, hey, we all need to get together. We all need to exhibit love together. It was something which was seen at the grassroots. It was something which was seen not at the leadership, but in the laity, as we would say, not only that, it was what we would call organic. You know, something which is organic grows naturally. It is one of those things where, where it, it just, as a result of, of, of nurturing this thing, it grows and flourishes. And it's not something which is a forced growth. It is something which naturally grows. And it was authentic. It was true. So many times in the church, we see, we see harmony, but it is arranged harmony. It is scheduled harmony. Harmony, but true harmony cannot be scheduled. It just, it just is. But despite that, it required hard work. It required sacrifice. It required certain people to be uncomfortable for everyone to be ministered to. And it was envious. Like that's why people join the church. If you look at the passages of scripture where it talks about the harmony of church, it says, yeah, and then a lot of people they join the church. Well, because, because. There's something about genuine love that draws people, draws you, it draws me. Growth accompanies harmony. Not big buildings, not wonderful preaching, not all of these things. 
Harmony is the thing that does it. That's why Jesus said, greater, hey, you will know that they're Christians because, because of your love one for another. That is the thing. That will, that will be the thing that wins in the end. And as we regather together, as we take the opportunity over the next couple of months to, to try and regather everyone up, it will be the harmony, grassroots harmony, that will pull people together. It's not something I believe, and, and, and as a leader, if I could do it, I certainly would. But you might hear someone say, hey, pastor, we haven't seen this person since the pandemic. We don't see them anymore. Maybe you should give them a visit. And and you will probably hear me say, that is wonderful. I know that I've tried to call him, but it is better if you visit them because I am not the church. You are the church. Ultimately, when it gets down to it, I'm just the kind of guy who's trying to talk like it sounds like I know what I'm talking about. The church is you. The church is the ones who go out actually making a difference at the grassroots level. It will be harmony. And it was that harmony that we see in the New Testament church that is going to be the thing that we're going to need as we get out of this pandemic. My, my prayer is that somehow God will convict you, that somehow God will put people on your heart who you haven't seen and, and will be able to step out and take a chance and maybe you'll have to invite them over for a meal. Maybe you will have to invite and talk to people who you really don't associate with, or people you don't know, or people of a different color, or people from a different nationality, and because of your love that they will sense, because it's authentic, will make a difference. We learn from the harmony of the New Testament church, the early church. There's one more. We also learn from what I have termed the heeding of the the early church, and I was going to use the word hearing, uh, but there's something about that old... English term heeding. It is the process of knowing what to do and acting because the authority has told you what to do. You're going to heed the warnings of the authority, we would say. But in, in this respect is the fact that the New Testament was able to go ahead, it was able to respond, it was able to react because they were listening to God that there was extensive time that they had spent observing what God wanted them to do. They didn't want to take a step in any direction unless God was ministering to it. And it was the, to know what to do and to hear from God or respond or to respond because they have been listening to God. And, and it starts off with the very first uh, chapters of the book of Acts. And Jesus says, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes. And that's what they did. But in order to do that, they had to sit and pray and discern what God wanted them to do. And then the place exploded. It was as a result of the heating that the the New Testament church is birthed through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then from there, you know, a guy at a beautiful gate, and, and he's begging for, for, for what did they, how did they know what to do? Because obviously God had been speaking through them, and they knew how to react when, when that guy needed to be healed at the beautiful gate. And they knew how to respond when Ananias and Sapphira, a few chapters later, sit there and try and lie to the Holy Spirit. And, and they, they, know what to do when the, they knew what to do and how to respond when the widows were neglected for, during the daily administration of things. And, and they knew what to do after. They, they, they knew how to respond after the persecution after the martyrdom of Stephen. I could go on of the times. And, and, and there were times in essences where, where it discusses the fact that it was the Holy Spirit that was speaking to their hearts. Acts chapter 13, it says, it seemed good that after we had prayed, the Holy Spirit said, set apart these people. If you take a look at Acts chapter 4, verse 13, when 
when the two apostles are talking to the authorities, the, there's this statement that they make. It says, then, and the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sanhedrin there, they observed, they marveled at what was going on and said this. They had done two things. They perceived that they were, um, I'm trying to remember what the term is, unlearned and ignorant, ignorant men, unschooled, ordinary people. In other words, they realized these guys weren't too smart, but that they had been with Jesus. Isn't that funny? That's a determining factor, whether you have been with Jesus or not. And it asked me this question, so what does it mean to heed? How is it that a person heeds the voice of God? Well, in the New Testament church, they really didn't have any choice. There was no pattern before them to tell them what to do. All they realized is, we don't know what we're doing. We need God. Does that sound familiar to you? As I face knowing what to do, that is the, that is the question I say, God, I really, really don't know what to do. And there's other people who are acting like they know what to do, but I'm not too sure if they know what to do either. What I need to do is I need to listen to you. I need to listen to your voice. And, and whether that's running a church or running your life, it is the same thing. It doesn't matter. It has to be at times where we realize, God, I don't know what to do. I need to listen. I need to, to stay. And that was the thing as well. They were willing not only to hear, but to sit still and wait for God to actually give them an answer. If you read the book of James it says, you know, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I'll give it to you liberally. I'm not going to hold back wisdom for you. It is in abundance. There's no person who's going to say, I just didn't have the wisdom. Well, no. The Bible says, I'm going to give wisdom to everybody. But if you look at the Proverbs, it says, you know what? Sometimes it will take you searching and looking and calling out to God and sitting alone for a period of time, to actually figure out what God says. Perhaps this is the biggest problem in our churches today, is that we just don't take the time to actually hear and listen to God. And you will do one of three things. You will react and then pray. Or you will pray and then react. Or you will react because you are continually praying. And there's a difference between the both, or of the three that are there. Something about the fact that we need to take the time to actually hear what God is saying to us. And I don't know exactly what your situation is, and we're talking about COVID and pandemic and, and surviving and as a church going ahead, but it goes way further than that, don't you think? It just goes to our own lives. It goes to the, the deepest essence of our soul because there's always going to be something that we need to hear from God for. And that's an important thing. I had an opportunity to listen to a podcast and it was about a thing which is called digital minimalism. And it was, it was an interview to a person who was an internet guru who had, who had spent a number of his times and talked about how many wonderful things that have happened as a result of, uh, of being online and things that are online. And, and what he was advocating was this. He says, I never listen to any kind of social media. I don't get on any of that stuff. It's kind of like snack food uh, for the person. But there was a statement that he made which I thought was incredibly uh, insightful. 
He said, for the very first time in human history, we have cured boredom. It used to be if you had something to do, there were intermittent times between where you could actually do nothing. You just kind of had to sit and wait there until the next action came about. And and during that time, you were alone with your thoughts. You had an opportunity to ponder things at a deeper level. He said, that is no longer the case with the invention of online and, and internet, but particularly the fact that we have a computer in our hands that we go to. If I'm bored, if I'm feeling alone, well, I'll just look up a friend. I'll talk to them. I'll see what's on YouTube. I'll, I'll check out uh, the, the latest thing that, we, that, that is being interested. I'm going to look up some statistics. And so we look at that phone a hundred times a day to keep from being bored, to somehow fill in the time. And he says, we really haven't known the results of this, but it's not really going well for us. Because what happens is we think superficially about things for a little while, but because we fear the silence of things, we no longer can think deeply. We can no longer wait. We can no longer spend the time which is necessary to actually know what's going on and to actually hear from God, to take time to listen to him, to sit for a little while, and when you don't hear him, you sit for a little while longer. And when, and when the situation is such that you say, God, I can't go anywhere until I actually hear your voice. That's when God begins to move. Many times when God steps up to the plate, we're already gone doing something else. Here's the thing. I can complain about the scenario. I can cry over the scenario. I can contemplate all the angles of the scenario, or I can call on God. My hope is that you will call on God. And here's the thing. I don't know all the things that are going to be happening over the next week. I believe earlier, or next, um, into next week, there might be another section where we will be able to, to meet together, or at least a few of us be able to meet together in a setting with the religious services and, and, and church services, and I'm hoping that we will respond uh, accordingly uh, in the right way. But I think as we muddle our way through this, I think the Bible gives us some really strong things to consider. And I think when we take a look at how the church reacted to situations which were very serious and, and the fact that there were things that were, that were done just by church people, regular church people, that caused the church to go ahead and to, and to maintain and the fact that they were able to sit and actually figure out what God was saying to him was very important. Here's the one thing. That let, me, let me leave this with you. We should be the most creative, the most adaptive, the most innovative, and the most versatile of all people as a church. Well, you know, how do you figure that? Well, because we represent the Holy Spirit, the living God, who is of all things the most creative. Just take a look around. Take a look at creation. Take a look at all the things that you are able to do. God created that from nothing. And there is something about the fact that we need to realize that, hey, in the midst of whatever challenges we are in, we have a creative God who can do anything, who can shift anything, and and we need to hear his voice so that we can adapt to whatever God is calling us to do. 
And if you're an individual, it is the same thing because if you know Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit who inhabits you. You have access to that levels of creativity if you continue to walk in the Spirit and hear His voice. The question is, is this. Do you know Jesus? That's an important question to ask. And, and I would imagine that a large amount of people who are listening to, to this live stream or watching it uh, later um, already know what it's like to be a Christian. But there are probably a number of people who say, I don't really know or I would kind of like to know more. Or, I'm on this journey and I'm not too sure exactly what it entails. What it entails is actually giving your life to him. The fact that there's this God who loves you he loves you so much that he died for you. Yet at the same time, there's this chasm of sin and, 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 and it's impossible for us to earn our way into heaven. It's impossible for us to, to be able to, to say, I've done enough good works to be able to get into heaven. It goes far beyond that. God basically says this, it's impossible for you to do that. But what I did is I paid the price when I came and died on the cross for your sins. And so salvation is available for you if you are willing to surrender your life to me. And that is the thing which causes a person to become Christian. So when they say, okay, God, come in, be my Lord, be my Savior. Many times it's kind of introduced through a prayer that we call the sinner prayer. And, and there's nothing magical about the prayer. All, it is just the acknowledgement that we have decided to give Jesus our life. And, and it goes something like this. Dear Father, I thank you for your love for me. I thank you that even though I'm a sinner, you died for my sins and I want you to come into my heart. I want you to become Lord. I want you to forgive my sin. And I want you to house yourself in me. I choose today to serve you with all of my heart. Will you, Lord, come in and be Lord of my life? And that's the process. That is the process, that step. And taking those small steps. And if you're here, or here, here, if you're listening in, um, I would love to help out in that process. We got some literature. There's some stuff on our website that you can go to, to to help in that process. But it's nice to be able to talk to someone and say, hey, that's me. Uh, I want to know more about Jesus. And and if that's the case, my, my, prayer is that, my prayer is that you'll call us, you'll contact us so that we can get you started on the right road. God, I just pray that you will minister. Man, I hate this pandemic. I hate um, all the things that we're kind of stuck doing and the fact that it is so long, just kind of, aches on me. But I'm comforted by the fact that the church has been through this, that there has been paradigm shifts that have happened in the church. And some we read about in the book of Acts already. And so God, I just pray that you will make me ready and you will make me available uh, to be able to make the right moves. Um, and that is as a pastor of a church, but it's also as a father and it's also as a husband. It's also as uh, as a person who leads other people. I want everything that you have for me and I pray, God, that you will minister, you will move. I pray that we will be unified. I pray, Father, through this message, there will be people who will have antenna up uh, to be able to find other people who may be missing and just give them a call or... God would just spend that extra time in prayer saying, God, I, I want what you want, but I, I don't want impatience to keep me from actually hearing your voice. So, so God, speak to me and let me stay in the same spot so that you can hear me, so that I can hear you, God. I pray this all. I pray that blessing upon this congregation for anyone who's a guest here today, for anyone who is listening. This is for them. 
May you be lifted up, God, I pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.